So today we have um, an, the Omri Priyal's uh, psychologist, the Omni Priyal psychologist, speaker and mentor, Hema Vidask. Hema guides the path to commercial success, evolutionary and inclusive leadership, well-being and positive impact for independent startups, corporates and diverse global audiences, which will be really exciting. Hello. Hi, Rishni. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. How are you, Hema? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm so excited uh, to uh, have you in this podcast because... Uh, of your many titles, first of all. Um, yeah, I would, I am so impressed uh, that you were one of the people that stated uh, that you were an omnipreneur because not many people actually find meaning in their life. It's so true, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's one of the missing pieces that we need to connect to in order to find genuine success because you cannot have success if there is no meaning in your life. Exactly. So like when I saw your website, I read uh, through everything and I was like so surprised. Like, and I was so excited to meet you uh, because I felt like I had a connection. Like, I don't know, I had a connection with you because I am the same. I'm trying to find, yeah, meaning in everything I do in my life. Absolutely. Yes, I looked over your profile and I can see we have such a synergy. Yes, and I'm young and there's no one around me to actually teach me the truth. It's like I have to find out my by myself. And when I found out that there were like people like this, I was so surprised. I was like, whoa. I definitely want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so lovely to hear, Rashmi. I really, really can relate to you growing up, you know, and um, being in a very Western scientific world, um, but having a very Ayurvedic background, which is, you know, the Indian kind of science of life system. It's a philosophy of life as well as literally everything about life. And, you know, finding my first sort of spiritual teachers, you know, in the form of books and, and cassettes back in the day, you know, it was so lovely to find a whole community out there that was already aspiring and, and living you know what I wanted to learn and do in my own life so I really relate to you so well done and congratulations on being on this journey and really seeking the truth because I think ultimately we have to find the truth within ourselves yeah and yeah a lot in my life I found out that most, the majority of people are not always looking for the truth and not always accepting of what the truth is. And I was like, um, that's not the life I want to live. No, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's what I stand for, truth. And really finding that truth within ourselves. So I would like you to explain uh, the term omnipreneur because it might be strange for most people. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, it's um, it's an entrepreneur, but it can be anybody, whether it's they're in an organization, a young startup, or a you know an individual. Even just you know, it's about finding 
that part of ourselves that is drawn to business and the success that business and industry can give us, but also how it can relate to our health, our well-being, and to actually have meaning, to have, you know, all aspects of our lives covered, the, the physical, the emotional, the energetic, the spiritual. It's about being whole and really allowing ourselves to come back to that space and place where we recognize prosperity cannot exist when there is one aspect of our life that is not fulfilled and to find a way of fulfilling and creating balance in our lives and also being of service to other people, but also being of service to the planet. So finding our own sense of purpose, really looking to support ourselves and other people to find that level of success, but also supporting the planet because the planet is an integral part of all of who we are. That's excellent, actually. Um, and um, I, I would also like to tell you, I've been teaching this like to everybody in my community is that the most happiest people are actually um, uh, services that give to others. Actually, that's the, Absolutely. yeah, that's, that is true happiness. You will never find uh, happiness uh, from a selfish person. You will never find happiness for, from a rich person. It's, it's not going to be that way. It's the total reverse than what you expect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, we are a mirror of, you know, the, the world that we live in and we are a mirror of our own bodies. And, you know, we can only survive when there is an in-breath and an out-breath, you know, when we are open to receiving as well as giving. And so, of course, when we're genuinely being of service in a way that is connected to our purpose, then our purpose fulfills us and being of service to others through our purpose fulfills them. And so it's that beautiful in-breath, out-breath. And that is so, so vital to businesses to recognize that, you know, that is the kind of formula that businesses should be aspiring to, you know, really, really being uh, people-centric, planet-centric, not just profit-centric. Yes, or personal, yeah, or for personal benefits. That's what I thought too. And uh, like uh, uh, when people people look at me strangely for this, for, for this reason, and I'm like, this is how it should be. And why is it this way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think people do get it, but I think they don't know how to get them. You know, I think more and more people are waking up and realizing the importance of giving and being on purpose and, you know, really understanding the sustainability of the planet. But I think that the bigger problem that we have, you know, in the world is that things have been set up in such a way, people don't know how to bridge that gap between how things have been done, which is, you know, you know, quite selfish in lots of ways and not really looking at the whole picture and not taking people into account into that picture, certainly when it comes to business and how to get to that place where they do start implementing, you know, the, the two together. It's like, you know, how can we have sustainable profits as well as, you know, a thriving workforce, you know, that are really, really on purpose and really, really supporting, you know, the earth's resources because without that, we're not going to survive as a species. So I think the challenge is how do we get there? Yes. Um... I would like to ask you a question about that. Why is society so ignorant on this and like would like to ignore the truth instead of uh, actually finding it? I think it starts with wanting to find it. Absolutely. If you don't I think... have the desire, I mean, you can't do anything about it. That's right. And I think that's that's exactly the problem, that a lot of people don't have the desire because the way that our lives have grown and evolved, and I would say devolved because it's not very evolutionary, the way that we've 
kind of, you know, organically or somehow manipulated into becoming is that, you know, we've numbed ourselves. We've learned that, you know, we have to numb our emotions. We have to numb our truth. We have to numb our opinion. We have to fit in with society. We have to become, you know, what society wants and expects of us. Now, who decides what we should be? You know, who decides what a society considers to be right or wrong? And because of that, we, we've sort of learned not to think for ourselves so much. A lot of people think they're thinking for themselves, but we are being manipulated all the time, advertising, you know, social media, uh, you know, all the images that we're constantly bombarded with, all the messages we get from the world around us, you know, it tells us who it thinks we should be. And most people, I would say, you know, don't want to stop long enough to question whether that's who they want to be. They're not stopping to question, you know, whether it's right for them or not. They're not stopping to work out who they are, how they fit into the world, how they fit into society and what is genuinely, genuinely right for them. And I think that, you know, that needs to change. And I think it is changing massively. People like yourself, when you think, you know, you're young, I think a lot of young people are definitely asking more questions. Yes. But it's, it's a bit of a way off because we still have a lot of people who are in charge, if you like, you know, the leaders of industry, the leaders of businesses, the leaders in terms of government, etc. They're still very, very old school. And they yes. are following a trajectory that, you know, was laid down, you know, hundreds of years ago and not really, really stepping into a sense of authenticity. And I think that's why there's been a drive towards authenticity and truth. And I do believe it's changing, but it's slow. It's very slow. It's slow yeah. Um, yeah. But I think during this pandemic, since uh, everybody were indoors, they might like had the possibility to witness this kind of truth because they were alone, they were isolated, and they had the time to actually evaluate themselves and what they were doing in life. So I would say the pandemic kind of increased the rate of awakening in this stage. Yeah. Absolutely. But so you know, I would... yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was wondering if um, you had any methods of finding the truth. I do, but I, I just wanted to add from what you said, yeah. I think the world has been divided. I really do. I think the pandemic has created two sets of you know main people. Of course, there's lots of gray in between. Nothing is black and white, but I think there are some people who have really woken up. And I think it's because truth, you know, has a frequency, it has a resonance. And when we begin to connect with something that is so far from the truth, we can't help but have that desire to come back to the truth. We can't help but have that desire to find the truth and then to step into a journey of really discovering that truth. And so I think a lot of people have woken up, you know, not just in terms of what's happening in the world, but who they are and what they really want, what really matters. And I think that's been a beautiful side effect of the pandemic. I think there are also those people who have chosen to become more deeply entrenched in being asleep, more deeply entrenched in just following the narrative to a T, not questioning and not really, really tuning into, you know, their individuality. Because, you know, there is no one size fits all when it comes to humanity, because, you know, human beings are individual, they are unique and they are absolutely, you know, um, complex in terms of what makes them up, what motivates them, how they respond and react to the world around them. And so the idea that we should all be doing one thing throughout the world is just massively, massively wrong. And it's an injustice to humanity and it's injustice to the human heart and the human spirit. So I do think that there's been a split and I think it's time that people really work up to that. And like I say, there are those who are absolutely not willing to. And I think the way that we get to the truth is, is really learning to listen to our bodies, really learning to listen to the signs in the universe, 
truth is everywhere and there is no one truth because truth evolves as we evolve and you know but there is a sense of connection to the truth in that moment depending on the context and we find the truth by really really becoming silent meditation getting in tune with our breath, getting in tune with our body, getting in tune with nature, because we are made up of the elements in nature and nature is an extension of us and we are an extension of nature and truth exists within nature. It exists as a beautiful paradox, but it exists in nature. So I think one of the main things I would say is that, you know, when we learn to silence our mind, to switch off, all the noise of what we're being told. You know, the question I would ask most people is if you really, really were in a little island and, you know, with people, but there was no news, no media, no nothing, would you know that there was something to be afraid of in the world, this thing called this virus? And I would argue most people would say no. You know, because a lot of, you know, information has come from what we've been told. Um, and we've metabolized it or not metabolized it because when we take in something that is not true, our body holds on to it because it knows it's not true and it will do whatever it takes to get to the truth. Yes, uh, and I find it like quite disappointing that the, uh, the majority of people only look at the media and they think every single thing is true. And I'm like, it, it doesn't. It does not mean there's always an, another side. The media only shows you one side, one side of the story, one Absolutely. perspective. Absolutely. It's like you have to dig for the dig for the other side, dig for information to find the other side. It's like it's not so available than the side that they want you to see. It's so true, you know, Rashmi, and what I say is it's not even looking for the other side because there's always going to be two sides of an yeah. argument. So, you know, as much as people will say masks work, some people, as many people will say masks don't work. And I would say, you know, ultimately what it's really about is, you know, not necessarily looking at the opposite, but really going into, you know, what is the context and what is the truth behind it? Of course, masks work in certain respects, and of course they don't in others. And so it's finding that truth. And like I say, this one size fits all doesn't work, that the whole world has to be walking around in this way is not appropriate. It's really, really contextualizing and giving people honest context as to why we would follow something but ultimately giving people the freedom, you know, to make up their own minds and to find what is their truth, because we all have a truth that exists within all of us. And it's not okay to say that, you know, we should all just be doing what we're told without being discerning, without questioning the facts and the context with which those facts exist. If you look at statistics, you know, they exist in, they, they're not in a vacuum. All statistics have parameters and it's up to the person who is providing the statistics to give those parameters. So it's not that the statistics aren't true, they are. It just depends on how you interpret them. Yes, right. it is. Uh, because for some cases, like um, when you see, like I had some experiences in my life where things have been false to the statistics mm -hmm. and it makes you question the statistics like why exactly yes and um during this time a lot of people are also dealing with mental health issues yes absolutely yes because uh, of, of their businesses first of all moving mm -hmm. especially the people who like follow the old system mm -hmm. and then they need to like convert the entire business online and they're not used to it. Absolutely. Yes. They're not used Absolutely. to putting it out there, like in this kind of way. Even I'm not used to talking to people. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is like kind of going out of your comfort zone and challenging myself to do something better in my life. 
Absolutely, yeah. which is so lovely. Yeah. So, you know, I would say on the one hand, you know, again, there are so many positives that, you know, you and I would not be having a conversation if it wasn't online, you know, because you're in France, I believe, and I'm in the UK. And so, you know, this is really lovely that it's given us that opportunity. But I think the mental health issues come from, you know, two big things. One is when the truth is not transparent, you know, when when we know something is true, I think we adapt very easily. Human beings are incredibly flexible, adaptable beings. And when we know that there is a truth that sits in the world, I think we adapt very easily and very flexibly. Um, so I think a lot of mental health issues comes from an inner conflict, you know, because the heart knows the truth and yet the mind is processing what we're being told or what we're being, you know, given. And when there is a discrepancy between what we really feel is the genuine truth and the whole truth, you know, the transparent truth and what we're being told, because we're not being told everything, you know, there are some truths or some elements of truth in what we're being told. And yet there are so many untruths in what we're being told and and that creates an inner conflict in the heart that creates stress and that makes us unable to to really really be present in the world and be able to connect with what needs to happen if we really really did have to shut down and lock down and stay at home and be online I think we would all be fine I think it's when it comes at a price where we're going, something isn't quite adding up, something doesn't feel true, something feels really, really wrong. And also the way that it's been communicated, you know, there's such hypocrisy in what's yes. been communicated. And I don't think we do well with that. Whether we are in touch with the truth, whether we've woken up to it or not, even if we're in denial, we can't help feeling a sense of something is wrong here when there is something, they're saying one thing and we're being told one thing and yet acting in a different way. And this is part of my leadership training. You know, I say that, you know, leaders have to lead by example and they have to be really truly invested in what the truth is for them and to believe it and to be able to take others on that journey and I think one of the big problems with the pandemic is that I'm not sure that you know the leaders so-called leaders who are not necessarily leaders in my eyes and my point of view you know are not invested in it you know, they're, they're saying it because for whatever reason, maybe there is group pressure, maybe there is a need to conform. I'm not sure what the truth is, but if they're not invested in it, then we are going to pick up on it. And that's why there is so much unhappiness and therefore it is causing people to have sleepless nights because when we can't metabolize our day, when something is not sitting right, then we are not going to be able to sleep well. We're not going to be able to digest food well. We're not going to be able to digest the information that we receive. And I think that's having a major impact on our health and our well-being, on our mental and emotional states. Because I believe that, you know, there's that aspect. There's also the aspect of so many people have lost their jobs. So many people, you know, have not been able to work, have not been able to be of service. So many people have lost their businesses or may not, able, not be able to revive their businesses, yes. you know. And not everybody can go online. You know, there are yes. certain things like hospitality that just, yes. you know, can't necessarily go online. And it can't, you know, and also the interaction, yes. you know, the importance of interaction and facial, you know, kind of, you know, expressions. We need it. Children we need it, yeah. We do. And we've lost a little bit of that, you know. So I hope it comes back very soon now. And we need to be educated on, like, all the technology and stuff like this. So, uh, so many people are not educated and therefore like they find it difficult to move into a new phase of life. And I think that that happens with my dad and I'm like telling him, but you know, it's a new era. There's technology. We have to actually be on technology, um, on the internet and spread about our business. And I'm the one who's giving him these new ideas because for his generation, there was no such thing as internet 
And he used to do everything. He used to do everything manually. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not an yes. easy adjustment to make, is it? If your mind is not wired in that way, you know, so the, the younger generations, of course, they're growing up with it. They're growing up with, you know, computers and iPads and phones and and the older generation, of course, if they're not used to it, then it's going to be difficult to make that transition. I think that's absolutely right. But I think that's why we need community. Yes. Yeah. We do. And uh, I like, I really liked your uh, philosophy. I was reading uh, in your website, it's connecting the mind, body and uh, heart, right? That's right, yes. That's different that, because it's usually mind, body and soul. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I guess the difference is, you know, the heart is both present in the physical world and connected to the, the more spiritual world, you know, the kind of cosmos, if you like. And, and so, you know, it acts as a bridge between, you know, the physical and the spiritual world. And it also acts as a as a bridge between everything we have known, felt and experienced, whether it's our own or ancestral, as well as what we are, what we know, what we have learned, what we have experienced. And I think, you know, that's part of the issues right now that people are struggling with is that, you know, somewhere we've lost a connect, we've disconnected with the truth. We've lost that connection to the heart's intelligence, the heart's wisdom, because the heart knows what we cannot necessarily conceive of in the mind. I think that also that we've been taught um, some specific things and uh, when you start applying it to finding the truth, let's say, it doesn't like tally, it doesn't go together. And we find that most of the things society has taught us are definitely wrong. People think it's right. This is the way you should be. But when you actually try to fit in the puzzles, most of the puzzle pieces won't fit. Absolutely, you know, because I think that, you know, it's that disconnect from the heart where we became very mind orientated, became very scientific. It's like if science doesn't say so, it can't be true. But, you know, science was born out of somebody's imagination. Mm -hmm. Science was born out of, you know, somebody's intuition and somebody's creativity. And it's simply a tool. And I think we've mistaken that tool for a truth. And I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes of the last several decades and yes. the last, you know, yeah, because that's where we've got, well, hundreds of years where we've got lost. And, and the more we've relied on science to tell us what is true, we've disconnected from the heart that knows organically, intuitively what is true. And I think it's time to come back to yes. that. It's like nobody wants to know about what's in their hearts. They want to like, yeah, yeah, they always, yeah, they, they are, when I, especially when I talk to people, it's like that part of life is, is insignificant when that part is actually the most significant part of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm telling them that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And yeah, it's like society taught us so many things, but um, when I put it into the big picture, it doesn't fit. Absolutely doesn't. Well, I think society has been working off the wrong premise, you know, the idea that the heart is not important and the mind is, the, you know, the, the kind of, you know, how they revered the sort of masculine and the masculine energies and the masculine traits and sort of, you know, downplaying the feminine qualities of feminine traits. And also, you know, renegading um, the heart to feminine. It's not, it's both masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. We all have a heart and we all need a heart and without it, we would not be here. Mm. And so, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's that balance that society needs. You cannot complete a picture unless there is a balance of all the elements, as I you know, said right at the beginning. Yes, and all the stereotypes, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's like uh, everybody goes, believes according to the stereotypes. 
and they miss out a lot of opportunities by thinking of the stereotypes instead of thinking of what's the person's truest uh, um, value, values or mindset or everything. And they kind of miss, on, miss out on the opportunities. I've noticed that throughout my entire life, you're following the stereotypes. You're not following the truth. <laughs> because it takes so much more energy, you know, stereotypes makes life easy for us, you know, because when we can homogenize, when we can put things into categories, well, all people who come from this part of the world are like this, and all people who are, you know, this age are like this, and, you know, this these stereotypes that we live on, it helps us process the world much more quickly in some ways because we think well then I don't need to think about that but actually it's the not thinking it's the not feeling it's the not connecting to our hearts that's caused the problem the fact that we are making assumptions and they're not necessarily right and the stereotypes tells us that we think we know something or someone when we don't because we based it on just some superficial you know criteria whatever it might be yeah, yeah exactly and, and, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, this affects a lot of like males, um, I would say, because they think that they need to provide for the family. They think that they need to kind of um, like, like fuel the family with the money, the uh, uh, food, the uh, like their desires and everything. And it's like too much of responsibility for the man itself. So uh, during this pandemic, I would say they are the most affected by the by mental health issues, as their uh, their suicide rates increase during this period of time. And why is why it has to be like this is because they are not they are actually going according again to society's image or their cultural image that they should be the provider. They should. Um, they should fuel the family with all these types of means and it's not the woman and every time i think about that it's like that's not true it's like yeah and it's like so many people in the western world are actually different when it comes to that some of them actually think differently they want the woman also to contribute and i keep on telling that to, to especially people from my and your culture it's not that way it's we, we are meant to provide as well we are not the housewife <laughs> absolutely absolutely and again you know this comes back to individuality you know we shouldn't just go along with what society thinks we should be doing but finding what is right for us you know, if it's appropriate for both partners or, you know, male and females to provide, then they should. And if it's, that should be know, a balance. it's not, yeah. exactly. And it should be something that you work out. In any situation, you work out what is the most practical, the most effective and the most loving for everyone involved. And, you know, rather than making a decision which based on gender or based on role or based on, you know, history, it should be based on what is true in the moment. Yeah. If you think about in the Western world, the reason why women started working was after the war when so many men, you know, either died or were off at war and therefore there was no workforce and so women sort of were like, well, we'll we can work, you know, what's wrong with us? And so they stepped in. And I think it's important, though, that we don't lose sight of balance, because I think in the Western world, it can go the other way, where they're, yes. they're working, men and women are working. But, you know, women, perhaps, on the whole, were still expected to continue with childcare and stuff like yes. that. And so I think they're probably struggling in different ways. I think all over the world, there are different kinds of, you know, problems that have arisen out of it. And I think this is where the heart comes into it. Because when we tune into the heart, we no longer rely on what we think we know or what history has told us. We rely on what is needed in the moment because there is that present moment awareness that comes from that connection with the mind, the body and the heart. When we're in alignment with ourselves, we have a knowingness of what's needed in any given moment. And 
Um, the thing is that society has uh, most of the majority of people actually do not know what feminism is. And I'm like, you are supposed to know this. It's like, because in history, you should know that we weren't allowed to vote. We weren't allowed uh, to have equal rights in marriages. We weren't allowed to have jobs or have the same wage. And they think feminism is some different, a different definition to than of the dictionary because it's so, I think the dictionary gives us a vague meaning. Mm-hmm. And then when it's a vague meaning, people think, okay, that feminism is just that. And then they make about thousand memes about feminism. And when it's actually equality, in other words. Exactly, it's balance, you know, it's revering both masculine and feminine. Feminism is the rise of the feminine to have a voice, you know, to have a stake in the world and to not feel like, you know, she is utterly dependent on the man or the males in her life because you know there aren't always enough men to go around let's face it right you know so so it cannot be that and so it has feminism I think is really really about embracing those feminine qualities and the female qualities and the balance that they bring to the male qualities the masculine qualities and we should be living in a world that as the world evolves, masculine and feminine roles evolve accordingly. And that hasn't really happened everywhere, you know, where, you know, the world is evolving and yet some, you know, values and ideas and ideals of how to be are still very antiquated and they need to be brought to present moment awareness. Yes, and... As a result, like I think the majority of uh, definitions in the dictionary are big. That's why you have a lot of misunderstandings happening. People don't understand each other. There are so much of arguments. There's so much of, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And I, but I think, you know, it's our interpretation of them, right? Yeah. Because it's not so much about the definition, it's it's how we interpret okay. it and how society yeah. interprets it. And so if you have a negative stereotype about what it means to be a feminist, then, you know, you're going to get negative memes. But when you really, really sort of decide who you want to be, if you are a feminist and what that means for you, you know, that's why I call myself an omnipreneurial psychologist, because it's like, I don't want a title that's been given through the decades. I want something that says to me my individuality and who I am and how I'm evolving in the world. I am a psychologist and I am a mentor, but I also, you know, have this omnipreneurial quality to me where I am interested in business and interested in people and success. So, you know, it's learning to define ourselves. It's not being defined by society but choosing how we want to define it and you know there will be misunderstandings and I always say that truth resonates as a very powerful communicator and even if you don't understand what I'm saying if I speak with real truth and clarity in my heart you will feel the energy and that will instantly make you feel safe because the truth is flowing that's that's what I like. That's what like I think I had an instant connection with you when I kind of read your qualities and stuff like this on the website. Yeah, and um, please also explain uh, how do you find your purpose for these people out there? How do they find their purpose? I I think it's redefining purpose. I think purpose isn't about the big work we're here to do. A lot of people think that our purpose is, you know, some grand, you know, kind of expression in the world where we establish something amazing or do something really big. I think purpose is anything that gives us a genuine sense of joy and a real sense of giving and receiving you know, that we get something from it, that it really, really ignites our hearts and our souls. You know, so I'll give you an example. So for example, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of, you know, my my regular sort of work sort of changed and, you know, we had to change and pivot to some of the other things that we were doing, moving it quicker. 
and and you know when I was working so many hours a day there was such an energy you know created more energy in my body and so I had more energy and I had more energy to do more things and to give more the more I was giving the more I was getting the validation and the the kind of reward of seeing the transformation seeing people's lives change for the better and become more kind of joyful more prosperous more meaningful and that gave me that sense of purpose and that's you know and when that died down you know with my work and everything I realized that my energy dropped because I wasn't doing what I'm here to do now each person knows in themselves when they know themselves when they take time to spend time with themselves you know be it in meditation be it yoga being journaling there are lots and lots of ways tools to just be in nature to be with yourself you get to know where your energy is being replenished and that is your purpose when your energy is replenished when you're doing podcasts for example you know it's not about who listens or who doesn't listen it's how you feel this is your purpose if at the end of the podcast whether it's good or sometimes it can be difficult whatever it might be if you feel a sense of joy if you feel energized and you feel right i'm ready to go and do more things that is your purpose and if you are doing something that does not give you that let's say you start a job you love it you're excited and within three months six months you're you're going oh my god but it's a means to an end i need the paycheck i need you know the status i need to you know i need a holiday because this is terrible i can't wait to get away from work you are not living on purpose Mm -hmm. Exactly. So purpose is not about work, but it's about what gives you that sense of, you know, energy and gives you more energy and gives you that sense of joy. And I think the way to find it is to be really honest with yourself, to be radically honest and to say, actually, you know, I do want to do this job because it pays me a good salary but it's not what's making me feel happy or it's not giving me that real I go home exhausted you know can't wait for the weekend can't wait for the next holiday you're not on purpose and it's not necessarily because you're not loving the quality of what you're doing it may just be there's some aspect of it that's not rewarding yeah often people lie to themselves and they confuse the purpose as their job which is like i'm i'm telling the the purpose your purpose is not your job your purpose is not finance your purpose is not uh, uh, this marketing or something like this that is not your purpose your purpose has is a completely different thing that is something that makes you happy and makes you go out there want to do more of it and kind of like help the uh, help society come to a realization that they are missing out in this world absolutely absolutely your purpose is what gives you meaning you know it gives you meaning it makes you want to get out of bed it makes you want to be here on this planet it makes you want to do more as you said of whatever it is that you're doing giving and you may have a job and you may find your purpose is in what you do at the weekend when you give to some organizations and charity whatever it might be and it doesn't necessarily have to be philanthropic it can be anything you know mm-hmm. it might be the joy that you get just spending time with your family you know really giving time and energy to your family purpose can be anything it, but it is ultimately what gives you that sense of joy and meaning yeah so what gives you your joy and meaning because i have a i think i have a different definition to that because when i don't know when i see poor people on the streets and i feel like i want to make their lives a bit easier i want to give them money that like i have or something that will keep them going in life their life it makes me feel whole when i yeah and for some reason i feel like that doesn't happen the same way when i donate money to a charity absolutely it's it's a different feeling when i go to write to them face to face talk to them it's 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 a completely different feeling 
And I feel like that makes me so whole. Absolutely. I really love that. And that's what I say about work, you know, like businesses that, you know, why are people not finding meaning? Because there's that subtle difference that you've just highlighted so beautifully. And it's that difference between when you do it in this meaningless, disconnected way, I, you know, i.e. giving into charity, which might be really meaningful for some people. Mm. You know, if it's a charity, you know, has helped you or someone you loved in the past or currently, you know, then it, there is a connection. But generally, if you're just giving because it's a charity that's in front of you, then it's not genuine, you know, it's not giving you that sense of connection. What you're getting from that interaction with somebody on the street or that homeless person, you know, is that you're getting that connection and you're getting that feeling that you in that one moment have transformed their lives, be it for five minutes, be mm. it for five hours, it doesn't matter. You know, you've transformed their world in that moment. Mm. And I think that's what's so special. And like I say, if you're just giving without that connection to how you might be changing somebody's life, then it becomes meaningless. And so to answer your question, I would say what gives me that sense, you know, mm -hmm. is, is really, really helping people discover the truth and become lighter and more prosperous and successful as a result. Yes, I, I would like to do something similar. Um, I would like to be teaching people about this. Yeah. And yeah, because I feel like children this age should know about it. I think they're like blinded by society I was like here's your here you need glasses you're looking through rose-colored glasses <laughs> absolutely absolutely these glasses are better <laughs> <laughs> exactly well you know depending on the color of the glasses we see the world through that color don't we you know so absolutely well you know I think you're going to be amazing you know you already have that desire you already have that, you know, yeah it was kind of burning like I, it was like a burning desire from a very young age but I didn't know how to like place it because like my parents gave me this idea that if you want to help people you got to be a doctor <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so Absolutely. I worked so hard to mm -hmm. actually do medicine and I got a scholarship and all but then I found out that it's not actually serving me Absolutely. And this is what I mean. It's the stereotype, you know, because I'm from an Indian background. And I think, you know, a lot of the sort of, you know, old fashioned thinking was, you know, you could be a doctor or an engineer or because they were the most sought after jobs. And but, you know, that's no longer appropriate because I think it's not about going for a sought after job you know that is fine when you're in survival mode and you're like how are we going to survive and and you know that's not the way I wanted to help people I yes. didn't want yes I, I I felt overjoyed when I helped people but that's not the way I want to help people and I don't want to prescribe drugs to them I want them to live a natural life because when you have drugs you have so many side effects and you have a potential risk of dying from something else and you're actually making your body kind of uh, addressing those drugs as normal things so you just take it off whenever you feel a slight uh, dose of uncomfort uh, you you totally depend on drugs so to cure them painkillers and stuff like this uh, so I told that that's not the way I want to help people. And that's definitely not the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. You know, Ayurveda has been around for thousands of years and it was based on you know, drugs. And of course, now even Ayurveda sort of turned to certain drug formulas and you know which is sad but I agree with you and I think medicine is just one small piece of the puzzle and it has a place in the world it really really does there are certain things that you know medicine and their advances in medicine are just so so important and yet it should not be the only go-to and it should certainly not override you know, a person's intuition yes. or their own ability to heal or their own ability to find what is right and truthful for themselves. 
So my truth was that medicine is not making me feel whole as I thought it would be. Um, I thought that, okay, I'm going to help a lot of people. I'm going to probably heal a lot of people, but this is not the way I wanted to heal people. And I thought that that was something that that definition for me is completely different to what they do in the hospital. And the stuff is like coming to realization that I'm not living my best life. And um, hey, I'm, hey, I'm a patient basically. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm some kind of patient in that sort of environment as well because I have ulcers, um, anxiety, constant depression, that if I don't make it or not, uh, that that sort of my mental state is not making me feel whole. Absolutely. And, you know, you just hit the nail on the head, and this is what I say, is that, you know, we know when we're not living truthfully. We know when something is not a truth for us. For your parents, it might have been a truth that the best advice they can give you is to go into medicine. You know, you know your heart better than anyone else, and your body is speaking to you. My body, my body was yeah. My body was telling me that you're getting sick because you you are going for a course that is not making your body feel well. Just in order to be the best, or like to be a bit, you have this vision of to be a better person but it doesn't coincide with society's image of being a better doctor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, the best advice I can give you is have the courage. You know, courage comes from, you know, the heart. And so it's really time for you to find the courage. And I know that, you know, it's not always an easy path, um, but to follow your heart, to follow your dreams, yeah. which you're doing with your podcast, you know, and yeah. really learning more about other modes of medicine and other modes of healing and other modes of helping people. Being people. There, are so other ways, yeah. Yeah. there are so many. Well, like from a young age, we've been taught like the, there are only these specific types of careers. Yes. I, don't, I didn't even know that there were type, other types of careers like energy medicine, I mean, like, when do you hear this? You hear this? I heard this after like 26 years. No. Really. Yeah. It's like out <laughs> in the world. Maybe in my country, yes, there are people who did it, like in our language and stuff like this. But when you come to the Western world, there's only doctor, lawyer, uh, businessman, finance. And then when you when you totally like shift, I, I think when you wake up, uh, wake up from this whole world, you see that, oh my God, there are other careers that our parents never even taught us. Exactly. Yes. Well, because they're not so mainstream. And I think, you know, when you sort of grow up in certain parts of the world, I think, you know, that the most important thing is to get ahead. And, you know, it's only when you have the privilege of being secure and not having to worry about finances to an, a level. I don't mean that, of course, everyone needs to have finances, but when, when you have that ability, then you can be more playful, which is what we need in the world, to be more playful and start looking at other ways of being of service, other ways of finding our purpose, other ways of being in the world. And so, you know, I'm really delighted for you that you have had that courage to be honest with yourself and say I know this is the path I've been put on but it's not a path that is right for me and I hope you have the courage yes. to change directions accordingly. Yes. I think that is really important because we like especially from cultures like ours we have this constant pressure like if we want to change something it's like it feels like so bad according to the rest of the people because they think that oh my God, you stopped because you failed or something like this. And then it's not because of that. Exactly. It's not, yeah, because, and then after that, they create this huge story that probably never happened in your life. And then I'm like, that's not the reason. The reason. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because, you know, 
course, they, they can't imagine why you wouldn't do it. But intellectually, you more than have the capacity and capabilities, but your body is telling you a different story. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's telling and, you this. And I'm like, you. you need to be in my shoes. Exactly. You need to know where I'm coming from. Like, I felt like um, when I had the courage to change courses, many people questioned me from everywhere. And it's like, it doesn't mean that I'm not capable because they saw my work and stuff like this. I am capable. And through this, through my actions, they know that I'm capable of so much more. I just don't know it yet. And um, yes, and I, even I act, I don't, um, I, there was a point of time I didn't actually like myself uh, enough to know that look what I'm doing. I'm doing massive changes right here, but I don't notice it. I don't notice it. And I think that, and I think that some people are there to tell me, have a, take a pause in your life. And they told me to see, because check your life, have a double check in your life, because I think you are, you are playing a game called life in another level a higher level than most of us. And um, that's what I've uh, been told. And I've been ignoring that for quite some time until I got, came to realization that what they were saying was actually so true. It's like they were comparing their lives to my life and they were like thinking it's, if it's like a video game, I'm on level nine and you're on level 50. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And people on level nine are never going to understand those who are on level 50. Yeah. I mean, it's just how it is. Yes. And so you can't even explain to them where you are. You simply have to find the courage to follow your heart. Yes. And uh, I'm so glad for those people who came up to me and told me, because I think we have clues in our life, you know, and we kind of miss out on them because we don't want to listen to them. Absolutely. And it's like, so many people told me that you have to check on your life because most, the majority of us are uh, kind of facing life on level nine. And it therefore, if you have to look at a person's situation more deeply. It's like, yes. you're facing life at level 50 for a reason. Absolutely. For a reason. Double checks Absolutely. on your reasons, your and that's that's what I kind of evaluated my life afterwards. Why is my life on this brink of difficulty while others pass life in a much more easier manner? Because I'm more demanding. I want to find something that is not available, freely available in society. I want something that's genuine, the authentic. And that's why life is so difficult for me. <laughs> and yes. Absolutely. I, I don't know that that's why life is difficult. I it, think, you know, any big change from a status quo in the world yeah. requires more energy. And therefore, it feels more difficult. But it doesn't mean it's more difficult. It's just more challenging. It's more challenging. You know, and I kind of like the challenge as well. So I kind of get like I get confused um, as a, like, especially when you're not awake, you get confused is that what is, what is the challenge you want to face? Do you want a challenging course or do you want a challenging, like uh, you have to figure that out as well. What, Absolutely. yes, is it a challenging course you want or is it a challenging relationship you want or is it, what is it exactly that you want? And you have to pinpoint everything. I want a challenging lifestyle that brings authenticity into my life. Absolutely. If that is and not there, yeah. that is not there, I'm moving away from it. And that's why my life is so difficult. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I encourage you to let go of the attitude that life is difficult. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that simple flow of if you were just naturally made for medicine, it would have been easy. You would have got your education, got your scholarship, you know, studied medicine, and that would be your life. Um, but of course, you know, life sort of was like, well, 
this is a path made for you, but what do you really want? And it's finding, you know, that's part of us that says, well, this is who I really am. This is what I want. Yes, it's not going to be that easy flow where I get from A to B easily. I've got to go, you know, various routes to get to where I want to get to. But I, I think we live in a world where more and more people need to do that. And that's the only way change happens. And, you know, we have to be the change we want to see in the world, as Gandhi yes. once said. And I think it's so, so important that we lead by example. So what you're doing is so, so wonderful. I wish you so much success. And yeah. it was so lovely to connect with you. Really lovely yes. to connect today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And don't forget to subscribe. We are available in any device. Just type Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press, and we're there on Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon Audibles, and Google Podcasts, and also some websites as well, podcast websites. And don't forget to subscribe to Teo Academy on YouTube. Thank you, guys, and see you next time on Teo Podcast, the Pandemic Press. I am your host, Rashni Eva Wasam, and I'm signing out.